Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Dan Takaki, and I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, fiance, and my favorite inventor, Kara Zalaya. That's me. I've invented such hits as Who Me, The Reindeer Game, and uh, 12 Days Pod. And 12 Days Pod. <laughs> If you're new here, this is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal that it's only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That's right. We love Christmas, and we love Christmas movies, so we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not-so-favorites for no other reason than to have a good time. So, let's get into it. Kara, darling, what are we talking about this week? This week, we are taking a look back at the 2020 Netflix movie musical, Jingle Jangle, starring Forrest Whitaker as the titular Jangle. There are many jangles in this movie. There are. But surprisingly, this is a musical. Yeah. I just saw a Letterboxd review about this movie that said, there needs to be a word for that feeling when you start watching a movie and then you realize it's a musical. And well, I agree. Well, we're pretty good at coming up with words, if, oh, you, yeah. if you remember correctly. I we am an inventor. We, we, do, we did have a phase of the pandemic where once a week we came up with words for things. The only one that's stuck is the Guadadex, which is when you've eaten enough at a restaurant that it doesn't make sense to take any home because there's so little, but you can't eat enough to eat the little amount. Yeah, so it'd be like if there was like a Dixie Cup sized amount of yeah. food left. That's when you hit the Guadadex. Yeah. Now... Let's get into it. Yeah. Dan had watched the trailer for this during season one, and we put it on our watch list, but we really had no clue what to expect going into it. So this all is really guesswork for what we thought this movie was about. So why don't you go ahead and let us know what you thought this movie was about? Yeah. So I had remembered from the trailer that Forrest Whitaker was a toy maker, and that was sort of all I remembered. So I thought that he was a toy maker and that there was a rival toy maker trying to steal toys and it would sort of be like Willy Wonka but instead of candy it's toys and Christmas. Yeah I had a similar idea. I am a big fan of the movie Hugo Mm -hmm. and so I thought it would be Hugo vibes the Martin Scorsese 2011 movie. Yeah. Just top of the dome but Christmas which isn't far off because Hugo is about like inventing and inventorness stuff. Yeah. But I truly had no idea. I also did not know it was a musical. So I 100% was going into it blind. I also didn't look at the cast, mm-hmm. which when we looked at it afterwards, I was like, damn, stacked on stacked. We have this thing, which I'm sure many of you also do, where I am an IMDb watcher of movies, which yes. is to say, when somebody pops up on screen, I'm like, who is that? And then I just immediately pull up IMDb and I'm like, oh, it's that person from that one very specific thing. I am not an IMDb watcher. I am a, if I like a movie afterwards, I will read every single thing about that movie that ever happened. Yeah, but you have gotten to the point now with me where you're like, who is that? Why yeah. do I know who that person yeah. is? It's like, rubbed off. There's a banker in this movie played by Hugh Bonneville. And you were like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, that's Paddington's dad. <laughs> you're like, that's literally the only... And I started listing other things he's been in. And you're like, nope, it's Paddington's dad. That's why I know who it is. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened in this movie? Absolutely. Now, buckle in, folks. This is a long movie. It's two hours, but so much happens in a this. A lot happens in It's this. really good. We're yeah. going to be very positive about this movie. 100%. So, to set this up, this movie is fully a musical, and we did not expect that. It just started being a musical, and we were like, oh, this is kind of delightful. Yeah, we're pro-musical in this house. Yeah, totally. It's set in this magical, fantasy, steampunky setting. 
So think like lots of gears and cogs and there's both bright colors, but they're also a little washed out. So the story of this movie starts out in what is the movie's present day on Christmas Eve, where two children are being told a bedtime story by their grandmother. She tells them that she has a magical story for them that they've never heard before. And so we begin to hear about the life of a toy maker named Geronicus Jangle. We love Geronicus. We love Geronicus. So Geronicus is a very gifted toy maker who runs a toy shop in town where he makes all kinds of magic inventions with his wife and his daughter Jessica and his apprentice Gustafson. I didn't say this when we were watching it, but do you think that his daughter is named Jessica because Mrs. Claus is named Jessica? I don't know. I think that was just a J name. Just a J name? That's fair. Yeah. All of the people in this, his life are named with a J. That's fair. One day, Geronicus creates a toy that comes to life in the form of a sentient matador played by Ricky Martin. He's, he's just kind of an outlandish matador stereotype character, but he's fun. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. The, we don't see a lot of him. It's fine. It's an odd choice. Yeah. Geronicus wants to mass produce this toy so children everywhere can have one, but the toy feels that he is one of a kind and doesn't want that because he's sentient. So he takes advantage of a neglected looking Gustafson and tells him to steal Geronicus's invention book with all his plans as well as the toy itself and to go off on his own. And Gustafson is just like, yep, let's let's do it. So after Gustafson does that, Geronicus is ruined, and we see a narration and like a wood clay animation of his life falling apart, and he quickly runs out of toys, ideas, his wife passes away, and he grows apart from his daughter Jessica, and he sends her off. By the way, through these series of like toy animation narrations, Mm -hmm. I could tell that Gustafson was going to be played by Keegan-Michael Key, and I did not know he was in this movie. Yeah. I was like, that toy looks like Keegan-Michael Key. Is Keegan-Michael Key in this? <laughs> this is very accurate animations. Yeah. So we're now at the point of the story where Geronicus is an older, jaded man played by Forrest Whitaker, who is struggling to make ends meet, and he's turned his shop into a pawn shop. He's basically down to his last wits and is trying to come up with a new invention that will save him and be something spectacular. Meanwhile, Gustafson, played by Keegan-Michael Key, has been thriving as a toy maker, having stolen all of Geronicus's ideas, and has been a world-renowned toy maker. But he's out of ideas, and so he's trying to go and spy on Geronicus to see what he has in store, because he has a toy he's been trying to make for forever, but can't figure out how to make it. Because he's not actually a good toy maker, because he was an apprentice and just left before he learned anything. Yeah, because he sucks. Yeah. Jessica, Geronicus's daughter, has a daughter of her own named Journey, who, like Geronicus, is an extremely gifted and smart inventor in her own right. And she's dying to meet her grandfather, so she tricks her mom and grandfather into letting her spend the holidays with him. Once she gets there, he's cold to her at first, but she is unfazed by it, and she starts to show him her talents. And you can tell he's very impressed by what she can do, but also he doesn't want to show any hope or belief that she can help him. He's a cranky man. He's He's been through a lot. He's a curmudgeon. One night, she finds a toy that he's been working on called the Buddy 3000, which is a flying robot that talks that he hasn't been able to get work. But she realizes that the missing component is belief and hope. As a side note, there's like the very fun and sweet sort of math and magic they're all able to do in this movie and in family. And we love it. Yeah. We are pro. We're pro. It. It's very fun. And it's they have things where like sensational and hope and belief and impossibility are all like math functions. Yeah. There's a song in this called The Square Root of Impossible Is Me. 
Yeah, and it's a bop. It's a bop. It's a banger. She's so good. We learned that the main actress playing Journey was in the Broadway School of Rock. Yeah, which all checks out. Yeah, and it sounds like nonsense, all of these terms, when they speak it, but they're able to demonstrate it and what it means very well in this movie through, like, magical writing in the sky. Mm -hmm. And it's very nice. So she and Geronicus's new apprentice, a little boy named Edison, get Buddy to work, and he's able to make them fly, and he talks, and it's just a fun little scene. But by the time Geronicus finds them up in his workshop, Buddy stops working, and he doesn't believe in them or Buddy, so he tells her to drop the whole thing and give up. By the way, Buddy looks like Wally. Yeah. He little, looks like a little Wally. Little Wally. Little um, E.T. almost. Mm-hmm. He's cute. Yeah, he's great. She does not give up, obviously. We we also see that Gustafson has been spying on them and sees all of the buddy stuff that went on. So at first he tries to meet up with Journey and convince her to help him steal it. And she sees right through him and tells him no. It's kind of like in Willy Wonka when... I forget his the bad guy's name, who's really somebody who works for Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. tries to get them to steal the everlasting gobstopper. Yeah. It's kind of like that scene. They like meet in a back alley. He's like, you should steal it. She's like, no. I'm no fool. Yeah. I'm a math prodigy. Yeah. Also, my mom told me everything about you. <laughs> so he ends up stealing it anyway on his own. And Journey and Edison have to break into Gustafson's factory to get it back. There's... Also, another side story in this movie where the male woman in the town is in love with Geronicus and keeps trying to make moves on him, but he's uninterested until later on in the movie. And I only bring this up because the kids and then later Geronicus hide in the back of her mail truck as a way to sneak into the factory. After Gustafson is unable to get Buddy to work in front of a bunch of investors, he sends it to the incinerator. But Journey and Edison find a way to grab it beforehand, and as they are making their escape, they get trapped between a fire and a fan blade. And On fire! He's, he's fan, fan blade! blade. <laughs> and together, there, jingle jangle. They're only able to make it out. After Geronicus does the magic math, which is the movie's way of showing that he really does believe in the magic again. After they escape, Jessica, Journey's mom, comes to pick her up, and Jessica and Geronicus have a heart-to-heart where he apologizes to her for pushing her away, and he shows her thousands of letters that he wrote to her but never sent because he was afraid she didn't want to hear from him. But the two make up and together spend all of Christmas Eve fixing the Buddy 3000, which we learn was originally a design that she came up with when she was a child. That morning, they get the Buddy 3000 to work again, and he's able to show the banker, who I mentioned earlier, who's been support- Paddington's dad. Paddington's dad, who's been supporting him, and they all they all celebrate because it's it's magnificent, it's spectacular, it's amazing, it's it's impossible. And Gustafson is caught after he accuses Geronicus of stealing Buddy, but they're able to prove that Gustafson actually is the one who stole all of his inventions and ideas, and all of the Jangles are happy and well. And we love it. We love it. And then at the end of the movie, we see that the grandmother reading the story is actually Journey, and the children are Geronicus's great-great-grandchildren. And she shows them the Jangle factory off in the distance from where they're living, and using Buddy, they fly off into the night to visit the toy factory. It's truly magical yeah we didn't really talk about the songs themselves because they're good they're yeah they're fine yeah they're good but i don't like have any specific things to say about the songs themselves but imagine the this movie but with songs throughout it's not constant singing all the time it's it's very much something happens and then there's a reflective song about that right yeah but let's let's talk about this movie what did you think what were your what were your notes on it 
My general notes are that I think this movie is absolutely delightful. I think it's a very sweet movie. I do have a couple of little things that I wanted to tweak. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking throughout, I would say, the first half of this movie. I'm like, why is every number 15 to 20% too long? Yeah. I feel like some things were sort of dragged on, and that was difficult. Because I'm like, oh, I would have liked this if I would have just ended here. And I did like it nonetheless. But I, I do think that this movie needs to be 15% shorter. Yeah, I think that's fair. It would have been tighter. It would have been better. A lot of the song numbers have a lot of dance spectacles in them as well. And the dancing and choreography is really good in this movie. It's just there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. And I feel like there's a way to integrate it while still moving the plot forward. Which Mm -hmm. brings me to point two. This is a general gripe with me when it comes to musicals. I have seen a lot of musicals. Like I have like hundreds and hundreds of playbills from my time in New York. Sure. Take a shot if you're playing the 12 Days Pod drinking game. How many times can Kara bring up the fact that she lived in New York City? I don't like musicals where the numbers do not forward the plot. Mm, That is like a big thing with me. I think every song needs to move the plot forward or showcase the relationships blossoming a lot. This is just a, a pet peeve of mine. I don't like it when a scene happens, and like you described, and then they sing a song about the scene that just happened. I'm like, I, 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 what? Why? Why are we doing this? I, that's very redundant. So there is some of that. <laughs> At the same time, I do enjoy a musical that is not just entirely a musical. Like mm-hmm. if you watch Hamilton or Les Mis, there is not a moment in those musicals where someone is not singing. Well, very, yeah, well, very those are singing. those are stage musicals, which I think is different than the movie musical. No, but like Les Mis, the movie musical, also, they barely talk. It's all No, songs. no, I know, but I'm saying that's a, that's a stage musical adapted for a thing. Oh, this is I a see. movie musical like The Greatest Showman or... Right. The Sound uh, of Music. The Sound of Music, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then there's a place for that. But again, just if you're moving the plot forward, it can be sung. I did absolutely enjoy and love this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect, If you listened to last week's episode, I kind of was like, ugh, are we doing another Netflix movie? But this is more along the lines of, like, Klaus, where Netflix is trying to be a serious film studio Mm -hmm. versus when Netflix is trying to be Hallmark. Hallmark. Yeah. And I think Netflix can be both. Sure. Controversial and brave. This makes it sound like I'm a Netflix stan. This is just because we've been watching a lot of Netflix movies. My last note is that... There is this amazing 11 o'clock number in which Anika Noni Rose, who is playing Jessica, which is the the daughter of Forrest Whitaker Whitaker, and the mother of Journey. Yes. Shows up for the first time, like, substantially. Like, she's been in a couple of scenes, but she hasn't sung. Mm -hmm. She voices Tiana. In Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog. And is, like, a Broadway veteran. Yeah. Has won endless awards. And, like, to just save her for the 11 o'clock number is actually a crime. We were like, who is this? And then I was like, oh, it's Tiana. Yeah. She was in Dreamgirls. Like, she's um, a legend. In the first workshop of Hamilton, she was the original Angelica Schuyler. Right. So, like... (laughs) Like, you know how hard that song is, those roles are... I mean, I'm guessing it was like scheduling issues where they like wanted her, but she was probably doing 18 million things for the stage. (laughs) And so I just was like, you've been sitting on this talent for the last hour and a half? 
Yeah. But it is a bop and a half. I would do anything for Keegan-Michael Key. I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the pod. I don't see how I would have, but I talk about it a lot in my life. Yeah. I love him. I love him. He's so great. He's so good. I saw another Letterboxd review in preparation for this episode that said Keegan-Michael Key said I'm a performer and he gave a performance. He truly did. Correct. He is an iconic Christmas villain in in the lore now. Yes. And like... Gustafson is a hard name for me to say. Yeah, he practiced a lot, guys. Gustafson. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. Yeah. I would die for Keegan-Michael Key and I guess I would also die for Forrest Whitaker. I don't think I've ever seen him play a role like this before. I've seen a lot of Forrest Whitaker movies, mm-hmm. but he is so exceptionally sweet and good and has depth in this. He clearly, of all of the big singers in this, isn't the most vocally trained, but also holds his own. Yeah. And I was impressed. Yeah, he started singing. We were like, For- does Forrest Whitaker sing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are my notes. I actually had real notes this time. Wow. Wow. It's been a while. You know, you throw a musical in the mix and I'm like, I actually know about this. It's true. You do. How about you? What did you think? Uh, I love this movie. I don't have the same stance as you on all songs and musicals need to drive the plot forward. That's the difference between you and I. Yeah, it's because you can stand things that are longer than 90 minutes and I can't. It's true. (laughs) I love a villain number that Mm. talks about how they're so bad. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a very specific reference, but in the animated movie The Lorax, there is a villain song that the Onesler sings. And You've brought this up on this podcast before. Well, I like the movie The Lorax, and I think it's fun. <laughs> but anyway, Keegan-Michael Key has a villain number in this that is very similar to that. He's also kind of dressed like the Onesler. He's got like a big green yeah. velvet suit and a top hat and a mustache. Yeah. And if you've seen that movie... And then watch this movie. I think you'll see the parallels I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found this movie utterly delightful. Yeah. And I, hot take, I think this is on par with The Greatest Showman. Oh. Which, you know, maybe the songs aren't as memorable, yeah. as catchy. But also, I've only listened to them during this movie so far. And maybe they have some staying power if I think about them a little bit more. We are, for the record to listeners a pro greatest showman house yeah i don't understand people out there who don't like the greatest showman sorry you don't like fun (laughs) you don't like having a good time whatever i sing the greatest showman constantly same it's incredible what you've not seen the behind the scenes of when they were workshopping this with hugh jackman yeah and and jeremy jordan gets utterly destroyed yeah you haven't seen that do you not like enjoying things? Yeah, anyway, so this is a pro-Greatest Showman podcast. Not ironically. This no, is just, we genuinely we enjoy just it. just like it. I saw that movie in Duluth on a girls movie night with some of my friends. <laughs> One of the girls. Yeah, Amber. Yeah, of course. Friend, Shout out Amber. Friend of the pod. Was friend like, pod. Dan, do you want to come watch this with us? It's normally our girls movie night, but I feel like you'd like this. And I had the time of my life. Yeah. It was great. Correct. So I really enjoyed this movie. I did think there were parts that dragged. There were some numbers in here that felt a little forced, like the side plot with the male lady. seemed yeah. un- She had several of her own songs. <laughs> yeah, she didn't need that. It could have been better. It was nice seeing her dynamic with Forrest Whitaker, but like if you had not put her in the movie, she would not have been missed. I feel that way about the Ricky Martin toy, to be honest. Yeah, the Ricky Martin, like, yeah. It was slightly offensive. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. 
We'll say that. But uh, it was confusing to me because there were a lot of like Latino stereotypes, but he's supposed to be like a Spanish matador, and I'm like, there's a difference, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But aside from those things, those things, I I really like this movie. It's definitely a Christmas movie. They're always like, it's Christmas. It looks Christmassy. Everything's kind of like green, gold, yeah. purple, red. It's fun. It's yeah. a fun movie. I really liked time. it. Would happily watch it again. Same. Yeah. Do you have any how any fun facts for us? Any any walking with Whitaker segments? I hope not, but <laughs> Alright, guys. So if you've been listening to the podcast religiously, as you should, because then you'd get all our in jokes, uh, you would know that the last two Netflix movies have been short on trivia. So I have done special segments. Uh, what's the Hudge? With Vanessa Hudgenson. And what's the chord? Name that it's, chord. No, strike that chord. Strike, I could tell you. Strike <laughs> a chord with you. Chord Overstreet. I actually do have a substantial amount of Jingle Jangle fun facts. But Dan was like, so what are you going to be doing for the Walking with Whitaker segment? A term that I did not come up with. And she fell on the floor laughing. <laughs> I don't need Forrest Whitaker facts. I know plenty about Forrest Whitaker. I'm sure the folks at home know plenty about Forrest Whitaker. But if you want to respond to us on Twitter.com with Walking with Whitaker facts, you can just at 12 Days Pod, hashtag Walking with Whitaker. This is also a pro Rogue One podcast, so you can talk about that. Yeah, we love Rogue One. I feel like we've talked about this. I know, but he's in that one. Yeah, he is, and he's great, man. All right, let's get into the fun facts for Jingle Jangle. So I have a lot of trivia about location filming okay so the snowball fight scene was filmed in the historic elmhelm area of norwich uk oh and over 80 local people were used oh that's fun some of whom work in the shops and businesses converted to use in the film and they were used as extras nice i was uncertain where or how this was filmed yeah because i couldn't tell if it was a set or on location or what because it is so like kind of like magical and fantastical we were looking at it and we're like oh this sort of looks like a mix between the weasley's um joke shop mm-hmm. from harry potter and the the movie adventureland yeah. with george clooney yeah yeah also i don't know if you've seen mr Magorium's wonder emporium i haven't but sort of like that too I'm very proud of you for being able to say that phrase. I know. That's it's, pretty good. I had to think about it a lot when I said Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. I can't say that, but good for you. Thank you. The location used for Gustafson's factory is the site of the largest operating rotative beam steam engine in the world. Oh, why? <laughs> a YouTube video of the site can be found by searching on the term, the biggest operative rotative steam beam. <laughs> Shit. Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> the biggest operative rotative beam steam engine at crossness i mean that sounds made up (laughs) but it is apparently this like engineering marvel cool yeah that's fun all of the shops in cobbleton which is the street are named after historical african-american inventors cool love that yeah so three dream girls alumni make an appearance in one way or another in this movie Mm -hmm. felicia rashad was the standby for dina jones in the original broadway production nice she plays the grandmother version of Journey. Yes. Anika Noni Rose played Laurel Robinson in the movie adaptation of Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. She plays Jessica. And Marisha Wallace, who provided the singing voice of Miss Johnston, 
played Effie White in the West End production. Nice. Yeah. I think Mrs. Johnston was, sorry, Ms. Johnston was the male lady. Yeah. Yeah. When Jeronicus Jangle opens the trunk with the missing piece for Buddy 3000, Mm -hmm. there's a sticker on the trunk that says, The Grand Wakanda Country. Oh. Yeah, we totally missed that. Did not see that at all. Wakanda is the home of Black Panther, and Forrest Whitaker plays Zuri in Black Panther. Yeah. And there's a little scene as well where Jeronica says that he needs more time, Mm -hmm. and he moves aside, and there's a clock behind his head, and it's shown with the stopped hands, and all the minute and hour marks faded to near invisibility. Which is just another little element of their magical things of being literally out of time. I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I love a clock. Oh my god, Dan loves a clock. The steampunk aesthetic is, ugh, so good. One of my favorites. Yes. The film's musical score includes songs by John Legend and Philip Lawrence, Mm -hmm. which is, you you can tell. Yeah. (laughs) You were like, oh... John Legend wrote some stuff for this. And I was like, yeah, of course he did. And the film was released to select theaters and on Netflix on November 13th, 2020, which is shocking because that was like peak pandemic. Yeah. But they they did. I guess they wanted to make it uh, eligible for things and things were still fuzzy about, you know, how on earth award season was going to go. Right. Yeah. But this movie was pretty well liked. On Rotten Tomatoes, it holds an 89% based on 75 reviews. It's good. Yeah, it's very good. And on Metacritic, it's got a weighted average score of 69 out of 100, which is generally favorable. Mm-hmm. And Metacritic is, is a whole other thing. Yeah. That's all I've got for the fun facts. Nice. I feel like I saw somewhere in my looking this up that this was originally supposed to be a stage production. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, before it was a movie. Huh. Yeah, so I think this would have been interesting translated on stage. I did think that. I mean, I there was so much choreography that I was like, clearly this is supposed to be a stage production. Yeah, it feels like one of those things that because of the pandemic and things related to production, it was released on Netflix, but it felt bigger than Netflix almost. Yeah. Like it should have been seen in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that's a fault of it that no. it's... What had to be put out on Netflix, but I think it would have been fun to see in a movie theater. Oh, 100%. Just of how colorful and big everything was. Yeah, of course. Alrighty. As we do every episode, it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, what would you rate Jingle Jangle? I am going to give this movie 10 Lords a-leaping. Wow! Yeah, I really liked this movie. I had a fun time with it. I love a, just like a fun, happy musical. I thought the story was sweet. I loved the set, the costumes, the performances. Yeah. You know, like we were talking about, some parts of it dragged a little bit, but like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's totally fine. And I really liked watching it. I had a fun time watching it with you. And it's just, it's just a good movie. I highly recommend watching it. Well, now I feel like a bit of a of a of a poopy. Oh no! What were you gonna give it? I was gonna give it seven swans of swimming. Seven swans of swimming. But like a strong seven. Yeah. Okay. So the reason that I'm going towards seven is because, as I've said before, my unofficial way of doing this is how many times would I watch this movie again? Sure. And I would watch this movie seven times again throughout my life. Hmm. I didn't want to give it an eight because. I gave Planes, Trains, and Automobiles an 8. That was controversial. Sure. (laughs) And I know that we don't rank these movies against each other, but I felt weird about it. And we all know that I I give often 
movies a number as like a bit you uh-huh. know like yeah you know like some i've given some 10s and 12s out there that maybe didn't deserve it uh-huh. right <laughs> it's true um but i i mean i do think that this is like a seven eight sort of movie you know yeah i I would watch this movie i recommend this movie i think that there are some things that just needed to be tightened up but i love the concept and i want more movies like jingle jangle yeah at the end of the day yeah and that's how i feel about that my ranking is just kind of all on vibes and i love that the vibes are spectacular immaculate this is a happy seven swans swimming yeah famously famously i gave it's a wonderful life of seven don't talk about this with me right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We are only nine days away from Christmas, and we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. So please share this with your friends if they aren't already listening. Join us next week as we wrap up season three. Wow, already. Already. Of 12 Days Pod with not one, but two movies. The first being... Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Boy, oh boy. So many women. I think this was the last movie we saw before the pandemic in theaters. No, we saw the Pixar one. Oh, yeah. I always think it was Greta Gerwig. I know, but we saw Sonic and we saw (laughs) the brother one, the Pixar D&D one. Yeah. It was good. No, not Enchanted. No. We were talking about watching Little Women the other day. Oh, yeah. And we both love this movie, but I did have... A moment of panic where I'm like, am I going to have to recap Little Women? <laughs> like You said, I don't know if I'm ready to do a book report on Little Women for 12 Days Pod. Especially in front of me, someone who is a strong Little Women stan. Yeah, I'm, I love this movie and I'm happy and excited to talk about it. Sure. I'm just... Intimidated. In, I'm intimidated because... There's too many Little Women. Too many Little Women and also it feels like I'm jumping back to like... I don't know, sophomore English or something. And I'm like, I was not good at that class. I am here to help you. Thank you. (laughs) And as we say every episode, Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.